Hi everyone and welcome back to the Diamond Chronicles, True Tales of Trade, Trust and Betrayal. My name is Judy Lee. I'm GIA certified, finally. <laughs> yeah, it took a while, that's for sure. <laughs> and across from me I have... The Global Diamond Broker, Colin David Ferguson. And thank you, Judy, for that wonderful introduction. I was just You're here so explaining welcome. to Judy before you came on, you guys should be privy to our pre-podcast chats that if they put the word cackle in the dictionary all they would need is one of judy's laughs and and everybody would understand what a cackle is that's not how the dictionary works Colin. it's not how the dictionary works got it anyways okay. we are on episode 10 now how exciting yeah it is 10's the prosperity number does you that know, mean you're gonna give me a raise Okay, like this is putting me on the spot. Listen, I'll tell you what. When you deserve one, you will get one. Okay. Awkward. Hey. Slightly. So today, let's... Um, well, let's recap. What did we talk what, about? Your dating week? Your week in dating, Judy? Oh, I mean, God. what happened it's this dry. week? It's dry. It's dry this what, week. What about concert night? Oh, concert night was so fun. Where did I go? What concert was that? I'm not surprised you don't remember. <laughs> oh, yes. I went to the weekend, um, invited Colin. He said no. So naturally, I asked my girlfriend to go. And then he got upset at me that he couldn't come with. Upset. Is that uh, upset's what I not got? the right word. Yeah. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun though. I didn't really want to go, but my daughter was also in town right. attending. And, you know, a thoughtful business associate would have said to her girlfriend you know his daughter's in town and perhaps you know because he does so much for me uh, once again it's my fault guys right it's more responsibility and okay. it's time you learn how to take some responsibility for your behavior i'm 24 i'm 24 yeah, yeah you'll be saying that at 34 <laughs> and 44 god knows i still say it anyway we're traveling the globe right now as the global diamond broker and, and we're going to be talking talking about one of my favorite countries in the whole world which is Belgium which is where the very first time I ever started importing diamonds I very bravely got on a plane and flew to Antwerp Belgium where we ended up having an office later in in mm -hmm. you know was, uh, we was, posted about this this week was uh, that for your 15 first years <laughs> <laughs> You know when I said you don't let me talk? Oh, okay. So 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 it's come up now. We we get a lot of feedback and thank you guys who listen to our podcast. Apparently they want to hear more from Judy. And so so the the the, the power has shifted, I believe. Oh, okay. Gosh. So the fans aren't my fans, they're That's Judy's fine. fans. No, you're anyway. really you're really the compelling one here. Uh, anyway, just, away you go. What did you want to say? <laughs> I was just going to ask, was that your first experience in Antwerp, Belgium? Is when you started in the diamond business or I think you told me you had a job as a young in Working on the oil tankers the oil going all okay. over the world. You may have seen that on my personal Instagram actually, because mm. I was Look, I was rollerblading. I rollerblade a lot for those of you who are listening. Um, my personal Instagram, if you want to follow it, it's easy to find information nowadays on people. It's call, at Colin David Ferguson. But I sailed all over the world on oil tankers. And my first, um, one of the first cities I ever went to, which was the third largest port in the world at that time, was Antwerp, Belgium. 
And I went into Antwerp and we were there for a number of days. Um, and I thought then it was a beautiful city. And lo and behold, I was just out of high school in those days. It was kind of a summer job, but mm. turned into much more when I decided to take some time before going to university and, and travel. And uh, yeah, it was very unusual because later in life, in my late 20s, I returned to Antwerp. And, um, geez, it would have been even, it would have been, yeah, later 20s, mid to mm -hmm. late 20s. Mm -hmm. I returned to Antwerp because for 450 years, Antwerp had been the center of the diamond universe. As far as cutting goes? Or as far as, that's a good question, Judy. That's, I'm going to keep track of good questions so we can... Okay? <laughs> the list is small. Because I'm going to prove they want to hear me more than you. Okay? <laughs> um, it's a really good question. It's, um, it's the rough trade. Mm. It's the rough diamonds. Mm -hmm. When I learned to, to look at diamonds, I was looking at rocks. Even nowadays, I mean, the, the rough trade is, is where we acquire a lot of our diamonds mm -hmm. because we don't have any middlemen in our business. Mm -hmm. Right, one of the things you and I talk about, and and we hope our listeners understand, when we talk about things like exporting diamonds to China. Mm -hmm. Look, if you're diamond person or your guy, if it's not me, and they're exporting to China, and can prove it to you, look, buy from them. Mm -hmm. If they can't, buy from us. Acquire your diamonds here because we're going to have the best value and the best selection and the best diamonds. And I don't want to go on, but I'm passionate about this that people understand this because, you know, the one of the things we're seeing right now in the industry is so much misinformation, unfortunately, and people don't really know what's going on. And so um, we want to be a bit of a barometer for that mm -hmm. for people to understand really what's what's happening out there right now. How, you know, uh, we were writing about this this morning, I think, Judy, about how do you know the difference between... Here's the latest thing, is Russian blood diamonds. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do a post today on this, um, before the podcast comes out, so our listeners, most of you will be familiar with this, but Russian blood diamonds. Now they're, they like the blood diamonds out of Africa where, you know, young children were getting their hands cut off and the horrible things. If you saw the movie Blood Diamonds, which was very famous with a young actor who looks much like me, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> um it's an inside uh, joke. If you listen to the last podcast, you would know. Right? Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio and I, I was in northern China and uh, somewhere where there's no English. And they thought I was Leonardo. I had a polo shirt on with a joke. I right? told him he should have played the part. <laughs> um, but, um, sorry, where was I? So Antwerp, Belgium. Um, for 450 years, when I w w hopped on a plane here as a very young diamond dealer with my tiny little company at the time called Diamonds Direct that, that grew to be one of the fastest growing diamond companies in the country, is I landed in this little city not knowing what I would do, who I would... Judy's giving me hand signals, you guys. If you were here watching through, like I get so many hand signals, I can't do anything right. Okay, like it's like she's badgering me 
all the time. If only you knew what goes into editing these these podcasts, you would understand. So anyway, anyway, in Antwerp, Belgium, arrived for the first time. I had worked with the Greisbert family, as you know, and Uncle Eddie had had was going to become my mentor. He didn't really know that at that. I had been their national distribution manager, where I would take that briefcase full of diamonds and hop on a plane mm-hmm. and go out to the east coast of Canada or the U.S. and drive back across and met Uncle Eddie and Uncle Eddie became ill in those days and and ultimately passed away and they closed down operations here. Well, I formed a great relationship with his two sons who were the next generation. When I hopped on a plane, I hadn't spoken to, to them in a few years and ended up in Antwerp and ended up buying in the very exclusive Antwerp Diamond Club in the Bourse there, mm-hmm. where yes, for 450 years, back to the 1400s, it had been the center of the diamond universe, the, the, where diamonds were traded and rough and and so much went on and it, it was interesting because some of the memories of Antwerp are you know the one that probably comes to mind right away is 9-11 and being in oh, the wow. Bourse in Antwerp Belgium mm-hmm. which is eight hours ahead of mm-hmm. us here on the west coast five hours ahead of of people on the east coast and watching the planes on this huge screen, wow. the Bourse, it's for those of you who, who want to understand what, what diamond buying at, at my level is like, it's a room the size of a gymnasium with tables set up with, you know, in Antwerp. Antwerp was really developed because after World War II, uh, the Hasidic Jews moved to Antwerp and mm-hmm. really... The business really blossomed there, so there's a lot of Hasidim who I would not be where I am in the industry today without their help and their guidance and their their really their love and and caring and for me and showing me the business. Um, so so I, it's like a giant gymnasium mm-hmm. with tables set up with the big screen at one end where usually it's a, the stock market tickers are up on the screen, but this day they were. I, I'll always remember standing there. And seeing the first plane oh hit, gosh. and like a lot of us, thinking mm-hmm. it's an accident. Right. And while they're actually having, I get goosebumps talking about this, uh, they're actually filming the accident, the second plane hits. And, you know, our, our brains are in denial. And and what, what really made this story even more compelling for me in those days is that our offices were in the World Trade Center, right here in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so we had to close our offices for a week because of threat of terrorism. And, of course, my staff just wouldn't go back to right. work. Oh, and you just can't play goosebumps. Them. It's frightening. Yeah, it's for frightening. sure. It was an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And, and getting out of Antwerp, you know, we had, there were no flights, if you recall. They shut right. down international travel. And, you know, again, by the time I got, I got the first flight from Heathrow to Canada, it went not direct to YVR, went to Toronto, but I got mm-hmm. on it. And I can remember being in this surreal situation, sitting on the plane where they they had, the, they, the planes were back up. It was a Sunday evening, I recall. And um, they, uh, they were serving dinner with plastic utensils and no knives. And um, That's crazy. Crazy. Like, you guys, it was... It was a very sad time, um, but that's only one of the men- memories. The great memories are mm-hmm. are the memories out of Antwerp, Belgium, um, 
where I would sit in that bourse and I would trade and I would inspect there like I do today and like I'm training you to do is to look at diamonds and mm-hmm. understand each diamond and, mm-hmm. and the difference between the best and what's not the best. Okay, so we're in Antwerp, Belgium. We're in Antwerp, Belgium. We've lived through 9-11. I mean, I have so many stories from Antwerp, Belgium. I was there for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Here, you want to hear a good story from Antwerp, Belgium? No. Okay. <laughs> Kidding. Go ahead. Okay. So here's a good story from Antwerp, Belgium. Stefan Greisbert is working with me in the Bourse, and we're buying together. And I make a deal on a diamond, and it's an Argyle pink diamond, because in those days, Argyle had their office in Antwerp, Belgium. It wasn't centralized. This is my first introduction to these guys. And really, it's 20 years before I became an agent for, for or, or an authorized distributor for the Argyle Pink Diamond Mine. And I met these guys, like Patrick Copens, who's still there. And there was an office they had in Antwerp, and I would go there and look at pink diamonds. And you guys, much like their office in Perth, Australia, I would go in, and these guys would go for lunch, and I would be left in this room full of pink diamonds okay like by yourself piles of them by myself just to just to look at just to pick to select you know the post we did last night that you didn't watch or the story about Which how one? we got parcels <laughs> and right oh, that's i'll hear funny. that one well that's funny is it <laughs> <laughs> right but our post last night was about how we get parcels and this is how we buy mm. and and understand the diamonds in a parcel are all the same price we just picked the best ones. Oh, so you get first dibs, basically. First dibs. So, okay. so I basically we went and we opened this parcel and go to the global di- at the global diamond broker to have a look at our post today, our story today, and you'll understand it's a big parcel of diamonds. So, so I would go in and there would be piles of pink diamonds in this Argyle office in Antwerp mm-hmm. where I would go in and these guys would leave for lunch and I'd sit there and, and sort through pink diamonds for, for my lunch hour and then they'd come back and weigh them up and I, I would acquire them. Well, there was this one stone and Stefan and I were like brothers in those days. We did a lot of work together. Um, he lived in Antwerp and helped us out with the office. There was this one stone I acquired and I'm a hard buyer. I buy tough. I've been in the business a long time. I know the value of, of acquiring stones and how to acquire them and what to look for. And and so this one Argyle pink, it was a 96-point Argyle Intense pink diamond that I bought for $25,000 U.S. Wow. And Stefan said, came back to the office, looked at it and said, there's no way you bought this diamond for $25,000 U.S. He thought it was more? So he thought it was worth much more. Okay. Okay, so... And, and it really was, mm-hmm. but, but you know, I'm an excellent buyer. And right. so where this led was, with the two of us, it was late in the afternoon in Antwerp, and we may have had a few beers after buying all morning. It's Antwerp, Belgium, mm-hmm. a couple of Stellas, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the national beer, I think, of Belgium. Mm-hmm. And it became very elevated to the point where he decided he needed to call to double check the price. Really? And of course, I had made done Mazal on this, and Mazal is the word you use when you make a deal. He was sure they must have made a mistake on the diamond. Really? Well, 
He grabbed on to me, I grabbed on to him, and that office, we went at it. Like, no punches were thrown, but we were rolling over desks. Oh, and, my and God. And he's got the diamond in his hand, oh and my I'm God. grabbing on to him, trying to get my diamond back, because I made Mazal on the diamond. Honest to goodness. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff that goes on. Sounds I guess, so funny. You know, um, but that's one of the buyers. So, if you don't think I buy hard, I buy hard. Mm-hmm. So, so that was Antwerp. And then the white diamond, same thing. This is where I really discovered, because I had these, these Hasidic Jews who, I mean, they're 10 generations, some of these families mm-hmm. in the diamond industry, who would sit down with me and show me how to buy and show me what to look for and show me the nuance. Mm-hmm. And it was them that used to say all about the importance of beauty in a diamond. And, and understand, when I talk about these time frames. I, I think we posted this this week about that picture of me visiting the Bourse in Antwerp where it's 1477 and there's records of diamonds being traded and it was a town in those days, a small mm-hmm. town on the river. Mm-hmm. Um, Antwerp itself, you know, there's I have so many stories, you guys. Some of the greatest robberies in the diamond industry have taken place in the vaults in Antwerp. Well, still, some of them are still unsolved. I mean, it's really an interesting place. You know, Uncle Eddie Gleisberg, God rest his soul. I love that man. He really taught me so much mm-hmm. about the business. He was a former site dealer for, for De, De Beers, Beers, right? right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, he would take me down into the vaults underneath the city and, and understand. So the vaults, we're, we're in Canada. We're in the U.S. We're not old countries. I mean, <laughs> there you stand in, in courtyards that are 2,000 years old, wow. right? But the bank we went to had been reconstructed because during the war it had been bombed. And when we went down to his safe deposit area, not just a box, but area. There were these, it was built for people at the time, so it was much shorter, and you'd have to duck down and go in. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you're tall. I'm, I, yeah, I'm six foot three. Yeah. Ever massive. since I started doing fish pose in yoga, I'm six foot three. Prior to that, <laughs> I was only six foot two. Anyway. I could use that pose. Yeah, a couple, yeah. Anyway, no, you're perfect just like you are. Okay. Um, I don't want any more trouble with you today. Yeah. Please, okay. Like, <laughs> Please don't be mean to me again. Um, like, you guys, seriously, the hand signals I get, the off-air, you know. I'm such a spaz, berating, honestly. Berating me off-air for not having my face close enough to the microphone. Not having this, it too not far. That, am I? Hey, yeah. I, and, and then today we get the classic, okay, I'm not doing the podcast today. Right? Like, oh, my God. Right? Uh where was I? Yeah, in the vaults where he took me in and he talked about these three diamonds. And I'll never forget, there was a orange diamond, a larger one. There was a pink diamond and there was a red diamond in this vault, in this one box in this vault. And, he and this is all underground. All underground. That is all, so cool. Like, so like, like you would think it had been at one point, it's all like inlaid brick and everything i mean high security but very secure but built you know a hundred years ago that's so cool yeah it was really cool and um but but these are the kind of memories i have of this city and you know i mean 450 years it's hard for us to understand that in a country that's 150 years old you know it's um 
So yeah, that was Antwerp. And, and the Bourse in Antwerp, even today, is a highly respected trading center. Mm-hmm. But there's been so much decentralization now in the industry to go with the changes we talk about all the time. India, 9 out of 10 diamonds go through India. Mm-hmm. Now, 9 out of 10 diamonds go through India. I mean, it's remarkable. Where would you say the other... You know, I think it's the other are are the, some of the bigger. So, for example, we have some very discerning clients who will acquire rough. We love to acquire rough for our clients and and polish it. We use manufacturing in Israel to do that. Mm. We who are very experienced with a lot of the stones, with the colored diamonds as well. Um, certainly, you can't. Although it's a secondary market, you can't not look to New York as a place where there's 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 more business coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nine out of tens. It's inexpensive labor and access to to diamonds. So so when we talk now about mine diamonds mm-hmm. and we talk about um, lab created diamonds, I mean, just this week, eight billion dollars in lab created diamonds. Mm-hmm all in india it's all being cut and manufactured in india mm-hmm. all of it all the russian goods that they talk about that that i take exception to with the industry allowing them back into the markets right now they literally uh uh are using the money to fund the war mm-hmm. and um you know, those all go to India. India does all the manufacturing. So mm-hmm. so it's quite shocking, really, how it's, the industry's changed. Sounds like you had a really cool experience in Antwerp, Belgium, and it definitely shaped your diamond career. That's exactly right. I guess it did shape my career. I, You know, I really learned diamonds there. I mean, I had the top people in the world. I remember Edward Alsace, who who had the Aurora collection of the rarest colored diamonds in the world, who took me under his wing and taught me all about colored diamonds. And Uncle Eddie Greisberg thought that, you know, white diamonds should be left in the rough. He appreciated them more as rocks. Wow, really? Than, interesting, right? Very and he was a sight dealer for De Beers. These hundred million dollar boxes that he would sell. And they were all rough. It's quite a fascinating story. That shows but, his true appreciation for diamonds and the diamond industry. You know, I think if you, when you get the bug, the passion for it, mm-hmm. and I mean, these guys are top experts in the industry. And, and this is where I get this beauty thing, and, and which we're going to be talking about, thing, I think, moving forward so much more, is because that's my passion. I, I believe the only luxury is beauty mm-hmm. I, I mean if who would you know every couple who's ever gone out to buy an engagement ring the first thing he might not think it because he's thinking about the money and, right you know all the things he could be spending his money on besides a diamond engagement ring she's thinking about the beauty and and really it's the only return and nowadays that's quantifiable and measurable and you know i know the industry doesn't want to move in that direction but that's where we're taking rare rock. So, so rare rock is going to be rare for a couple of reasons. And you know, when I go back and people ask me over the years, you know, being the the authorized partner for the Argyle Mine and visiting all these diamond mines and learning from these incredible mentors, mm-hmm. rare rock is going to be rare in a couple of different ways. Number one, 
Rare Rock, if, if you'd like it, is a brand where it's the most beautiful. So, so wherever you are, whether it's your diamond earrings, and by the way, I get more referrals for clients from diamond earrings than any engagement ring I've ever made because most jewelers will go, oh, don't put good diamonds in the ears. Kaka, first place you look at a woman. That's so is true. Face. That's There's so more true. More referrals than any other. Mm-hmm. You, we just had a referral for my friend. For, for your friend mm-hmm. who's who's has diamond earrings. He wears it all the time, and he just he can't get over how shiny and beautiful they are. They're the I'm best. like, he took you from a seven to a ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so that's that's the return. And so we're we're we've been incubating this and talking and going around it, mm-hmm. and now we're doing it. So these diamonds will literally be laser inscribed with the Rare Rock brand. Mm-hmm. They will be the most beautiful, and they're going to have another guarantee that's never been heard of in the industry. That given the technology and the times in the industry, is we're going to give our clients a lifetime guarantee on these diamonds if they're not the most beautiful diamond. If they're not the absolute best value, you can return them for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anything better? Think of a guy who wants to buy a diamond for an engagement ring. It just takes the matter and makes it so simple. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate luxury beauty. The manufacturing we use, as you know, is is our product. She can stick her finger out in the best jewelry store and you know anywhere in the world, and it's going to be the most beautiful, the most beautiful, and the workmanship's the best. So there you go. That's Antwerp, Belgium. That's what I learned there. Um, I use it every single day. I miss Antwerp a great deal. I loved being there monthly. I was always on a Lufthansa flight or a BA flight flying into to my office in Antwerp. And uh, But it's a different diamond world now, mm-hmm. you know, as we've talked about. And, you know, now we have markets like China which is way more fun, actually, now that I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, Colin. Um, It's really cool to hear about your experiences all over the world. Um, Next week, what do we have for our listeners? I think we're going to come back to this... um a, a little bit of more international travel. I know I think so. people who are, are really interested in... in I'm interested. It's, like yeah, it's super fascinating stuff. It's, it's pretty fascinating mm-hmm. stuff. I, I, it really is. Um, but I, I also want to stay on this, this what's going on in the diamond industry today a little bit because it's extraordinary. I, I mean, the diamond industry itself appears to be at a, a crossroads. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, the benefits for our clients are... are 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 substantial mm-hmm. and so and and this thing about beauty and what luxury is i mean i i think we've defined it and we want to move forward with that as as well in talking about that and please if anybody disagrees i would love to get feedback but i i, I don't know how you could mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well until next time everyone make sure you follow us on our instagram colin's throwing up the peace sign or the v the v sign sorry v for victory (laughs) follow us on our instagram at the global diamond broker colin hello oh goodbye